December 18, 2021. It's what for Pedro Show.
from P. Russo. Happy Saturday. Start the show off. John Coltrane while my lady sleeps. And Chris Carpenter with reflective glass shell. Because of those Estonian software people with their Skype invention, I got with me Chris Pottinger. Welcome aboard, Chris. Hey, what's up, Mike? Well, you <laughs> and your music and uh, curious about it, uh, your journey. So please bring your earliest musical memory. Man, uh, I, I guess it must be just like my parents playing like some cassette tapes. They they didn't have a lot of music interest, it seemed, but they would always would play like this Willie Nelson cassette and maybe like some Carly Simon cassettes. And, uh, you know, it just that was a constant background music when I was a kid. And the pad you grew up in, was there a musical instrument? No, no. We, we actually didn't have any music instruments in the family that I can remember. I mean, aside from just like like a little kid's toy xylophone or something like that. Okay. And what was the first record you bought with your own money? Jeez. Um, it, it must have been like uh, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the first gig you saw? First, first gig, I had to talk my dad into taking me and my buddy. Um, it was it it was like super hard to get him to take us out to anything, yeah. and he took us out to a Butthole Surfers show. Oh, and uh, he was not stoked on it. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were like projecting like weird genital dissection films right, on the right. background and sexual reassignment. Yeah, I remember they had it. Go- behind him right it'd be split yeah, screen yeah. with like charlie's angels or some shit totally my dad was not stoked <laughs> I, don't know, I must have been like 13 or 12 or something first gig guy went and saw with d boone his pop took us it was t-rex that, that's that's a cool first gig yeah yeah everybody says it but <laughs> we were four, but I, I guess 14. i guess uh, Butthole Surfers was the first gig that I asked to go to, but my parents did take me to uh, check out um, um, who's the band that did uh, Puff the Magic Dragon? Obama's uh, and the Papas? No, it, it was. Uh, oh man, I can't. Re- no? I can't remember the name. But the association. That, um, Peter Paul and Mary, wasn't that it? Peter Paul and Mary, that's right. Yep. Yeah that that was the first gig they took me to. Okay. What about at school? Were you in the marching band or the choir, shit like that? I did, uh, in like fourth grade, I did uh, have band class and I played saxophone in it. Um, And I don't know, I I guess they just like assigned me saxophone. I don't remember like asking for it. And, um, you know, that was pretty much the extent of my like musical teaching. How long did you play it? Just for um, that, like the class or well, something, or did you, did yeah, you do for, it at home? For class, uh, yeah, I had to practice at home and stuff. But yeah. the class like really turned me off on music. It, they they made it like just they sucked all the fun out of it, <laughs> and you know everybody that wasn't like really like good at what they were doing, you, you kind of felt like like bad about it. And I don't know, they they just took any fun out of it, and and it turned me off playing that instrument for a long time but later in life back maybe like i don't know like 2000 or something i picked it back up maybe maybe like 1998 and i started playing it again and it kind of clicked with me then because i realized you could do whatever you wanted you didn't have to like go to music classes to to play like the sax perfect you you could just have fun with it and just you know go nuts <laughs> yeah. I, I like that idea. So, um, 
sometimes it takes a negative experience though, right? To yeah, I, I mean, I wish that I had more fun in class doing it because I might have played it, you know, for, you know, all my young adult life. But, you know, unfortunately, it didn't happen. So you didn't really get into like the bedroom band, the basement band, garage band thing in your uh, at school, teenage uh, years? Well, with with a friend of mine, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin Ryuta, me, me and my buddy, um, we would hang out in his bedroom and just kind of like record just messing around with instruments. He had a guitar and, and a bass and we would just mess around with them and, and record on like a little handheld recorder and, uh, you know, no, no real songs, but we would just kind of try to make like interesting, interesting sounds with them. And like, we figured out if you took a, a television remote control, you could like hold it up to the pickup and make some weird sounds with it that way. And, and, uh, we just started recording stuff like that. Uh, abstract improv. Yeah. Yeah. Real abstract. And, uh, we, we kind of just did it for fun just to like, you know, you know, have fun putting out like fake releases. We, we would record stuff and then just like have fun making a cassette tape that was just like for our buddies, yeah. you know, like our five friends and we would just give it to them. And that's kind of how we, we got started jamming together. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it still was kind of like the garage band, bedroom band. Yeah. Yeah. It, except just like, like no songs. And just, also no gigs, right? Yeah. No, no gigs then either. No, um, not, not until a little bit later. But but my first gig was was with him. What'd you play? Um, I had a little theremin. It yeah. was kind of like a like one of those little project, yeah. electronic project things you could build. So I had that, and we could run it through like guitar pedals, and he would play like like this weird, you know, this old Casio synth thing, and it it was uh, definitely freeform, kind of just uh, just like real noisy stuff. Where was it at? Uh, well, for the first gig was uh, in Ann Arbor at a place called Halfway Inn. It was like a like a, a dormitory uh, concert venue. It was like below the dorms. Okay, and, on the um, campus. Was, yeah, and it, it was uh, run by students. I, and, I should tell uh, the listeners, Ann Arbor, big uh, college here. I think second only to Ohio State. Huge. Yeah, yeah U of M. I got to play, uh, open up for Parliament Funkadelic in the basketball arena. No way. Yeah. That was probably real. Those guys. Yeah, it was, it was really great, interesting experience. But, uh, of course, Stooges people in Arbor, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, so this gig, was it a success? Uh, it, it, it was like pretty nerve wracking. We got <laughs> fighted by, uh, uh, some friends, uh, Wolf Eyes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've had some of them. Eric Dillaway and Nate Young. One, one of those guys invited us to open for him because um, we were always hanging out in the record store where Aaron works at, okay. or used to work. And uh, he's like, you're always buying this weird stuff. What's up with you, man? And, uh, you know, these weird noise records and stuff. And I was like, oh, I got a, a CD. You, you want a copy? And hooked him up with it. And he uh, invited us to open for him that night. Wow. Well, they've been on the show and uh, interesting cats. Yeah, yeah, they're I all think, good. I think Scotty, Stooge's drummer, is Godfather one of those guys. No way. He's something like that. I can't no remember. way. I got to ask them about that. Yeah. So, 
my, again, my memory's faulty, <laughs> stuff like that. So, it, yeah, nerve-wracking. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I get scared of gigs. I just did one uh, night before last. and But uh, I'm, I'm playing back with Tom and Raul again, and there, there's nothing oh, cool. like playing in a band. I mean, <laughs> there's something about it. Now, now, did you guys have a name? Uh, yeah, we, we called ourselves Mind Meld 5. <laughs> but there was just two and, of you, right? Like, yeah, it was just the two of us. And, like, I didn't really – I was not, like, into, like, Star Trek. And then later I realized it was, like, kind of like a Star Trek reference. Oh, the and, Mind Meld, right. You know, my – uh, Spock, right? I think it was the Vulcan Mind Meld or something. Something with the hand over your face, and his brain could go into your brain, or some shit like that. I think that—that's the only Star Trek I like. Is that uh, the TV series, uh, the first one? You got, it's the characters, right? Scotty and Spock, uh, the Doctor, and whoa, I lost you.
and proud They'll bitch and moan But you're gonna make it go Tell it like it is 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 You You ain't going out like this You aren't gonna stop You're gonna get that mop You You clean up this town Don't let their slander Get you down You've got the proof. You pull up in your car and you say, get in. Where are we going? We're going to the truth. Where we speak from the gut. Where we don't keep our eyes shut. Where we don't banner to fascist bucks.
Sap, De Sessin Vas, Ser Lecker, De Kleiner Rapper, Nimmer Sap, De Sessin Vas, Ser Lecker.
lot for Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with Cot Museum, an untitled track two from Split with Thurston Moore. Thirst. And then Obama's Prendon with Groovalicious, Bogdan Rosinski, Bop, Equations Collective Cut 2.2 Part 1. Tell it like it is from Samuel Locke Ward. Decline Rapa Nimmer Shot. Caterpillar song from Puppet Midnight. And then finally, Cotton Museum with Puss Hovel. <laughs> Hovel. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, I butcher English too. All languages get destroyed by what is fucking. No, that's cool. It's okay, Chris. So, uh, after that, how long does. Uh, the, the the mind meld band we were talking about uh, Star Trek when I lost you yeah yeah um it didn't last all that long because I I just was a I guess maybe a little more serious about doing releases than my buddy was yeah. and I just kind of like wanted to do my own thing so uh, that's where I split off and uh, started uh, my project called Cotton Museum okay and we heard some Cotton Museum right there. So that was your first, and like you said, man alone, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I just kind of wanted uh, total creative control, and I I wanted to do, like, all the artwork for my albums myself, and I wanted to do all the sounds and, you know, the it, it just kind of have my hand on everything. Yeah, and now speaking of the sounds – Ways of making sounds, right? Uh, yeah. You get out of the rock and roll kind of thing, right? Yeah, I didn't know how to, like, like I was big in, into uh, going to, like, shows and hardcore shows in my area. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I found out that there was, like, a scene in Michigan of people doing their own music and, like, doing their own releases and all that, it really was, blew my mind. You want to be part. Is that what you're saying? I think I lost you, Chris. Okay. Yeah, we had a little trouble with our internet connect. Thank you for not giving me a choice to pick another ISP that does take care of their things. 50 years of Cold War for this. All right. Chris, tell me the first uh, about the first Cotton Museum gig. Uh, first one was uh, at a place called the Buddha Bar in Detroit, and uh, it was uh, another gig thanks to Aaron Dillaway. He um, he booked it, and we both played solo sets, and then we did a collaboration set. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a fun night. Now, so, uh, there's a uh, a question of gear involved, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, what would you just start looking around, acquiring? Yeah, I. Um, it sounds I, like I, at I, first you were using tape recorder kind of as, as an instrument. Yeah, at first we were just using just any sort of weird electronic device, a lot of tapes, um, you know, you name it, old Casio you were keyboard. The, um, remote control for the television by a pickup on a guitar. Totally, totally. And, you know, when I got the theremin, and I started borrowing, like, friends' uh, guitar pedals. I would plug, 
like, like a huge chain of them in together and try to distort the theremin sound and, you know, run it through delay pedals. And, um, you know, that was mostly the instrumentation in my early Cotton Museum stuff. Yeah, I hear guys like play pedals. Yeah, yeah. But why not, you know? I mean, it's what my friends had. And, you yeah. know, I if if I could borrow whatever they had for a gig and just kind of like chain it all together and make it sound weird, you know, it was fun. And for you, electronic music isn't really keyboard music, right? It, it wasn't in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I looked at what I was doing, you know, it, it, chaining all these effects together and all that, it kind of like dawned on me. I was in a way kind of building like a, like a poor man's modular synthesis. Yeah, modular. Yeah, right, right. So, um, you know, when I when I realized that, I started exploring more of modular synth stuff and started building my my own setup and acquiring gear for that. And then, you know, I, I sort of drifted in that zone. That theremin you put together, right? Yeah, yeah. So you started building your own fucking instruments. Yeah, I don't know how it worked. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really have any uh, any uh, real training on it, but I followed the directions yeah. that came with it, and it, and it it didn't blow up, and I didn't get electrocuted. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're, you're, uh, did, you make tapes say, of, did you make tapes I, of that early stuff? Because you said you wanted to make releases, right? Yeah, we... Um, my buddy and I did some CDR releases of that first project. And then um, I started putting out tapes and CDs of my, my solo stuff. And then I started my own label to do that. And I, I it's called Tasty Soil. <laughs> Great name. And uh, was basically for your stuff, right? And uh, Yeah, yeah. What, what about the idea of repetition? with improv i i feel like it's important in yeah. a sense because you know at least in my stuff i would try to have some sort of loop going like a, either a tape loop or a um i had a little uh loop recorder like a digital one like a boss or um it, it was like an sp 404 or you know something like that it, it was a a loop recorder so I feel like that kind of gives the audience a little bit of something to, to grab onto, even though there's a lot of chaos going on around it. Yeah. Like a spine. Yeah. Yeah. Something to just build off of. So I, I like having some sort of repetition in the stuff that I do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, if you think about rhythm, right, it's always little, little riffs, little licks or something. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, wishful thinking and stuff like everything could be fresh and new and different and, you know, and so like, oh, if you do the same thing over and over, you're kind of at war with that. But not, not really. Right. Because they, they can work with each other. Yeah. I, I mean, if if you've got an idea that you like, sometimes it's fun to just keep building on it and just kind of uh see how you can try to like push the limits of that idea a little bit more. And you moved from the handheld recorder, right? To what a four track. 
Yeah, um, I didn't have a four track myself until a little bit later. But when I got one, it, it was a little uh, digital four track, like one of the early ones. And you could only record a maximum of like four minutes on it. So, you know, if you used all four tracks, yeah. that's like the, the, the max recording time you could do. So uh, a lot of my early stuff I had to keep a little short because of that. Yeah, we did the minimum. <laughs> we thought yeah. people wouldn't. <laughs> we made. We got the idea from Wire, right? That Pink Flag record. We thought, man, n- nobody will know that we learned off a of Blue Oyster Cult in uh, Creedence. <laughs> we have these tiny awesome. little songs. Awesome. <laughs> so, well, a way of trying to uh, find an identity. And uh, how important are the titles? Because you got some pretty wild titles for your tunes. Do they come last or first? We were talking about titles. Now, yeah. of course, you gave me some tunes that are untitled. <laughs> but well, you're, when, when do they come? Do they come first or last when you compose? Uh, you, usually uh, after. Um, I try to, like, I try to, sometimes I draw pictures. I like to do all the art for my albums. So sometimes I'll draw a picture and it will spur me on to record some sounds that kind of give me the feel of that art. And sometimes it's the other way around, but usually the titles come at the end. Yeah. I, I, I always ask uh, guests that because I have to have the title first or I got no focus. <laughs> like nobody yeah. does that. It seems a couple cats have, but look right then the first hour, December 18, 2021. This is Peter so special guest. Chris Pottinger. Hold tight for hour two. December 18th, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off second hour. Untitled. <laughs> like we're sitting up talking about titles, right? This untitled. Track four from Split with Thurston Moore. Got Museum. Manu Debango after that. Night in Zeralda. Beautiful. This is good stuff from the 70s. Ozona Infini with Le Monde et moi. <laughs> Pardon. <laughs> At the voice of the Valley Festival, part one, two, live, August 2018. That's what I should say. This is Klein Quartet, Scotty Irvin. Great cat. And Chris Pottinger, finally, with Murky Fluid. So, <laughs> speaking of good titles. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell, tell, tell me about this. The, the, we, you gave me two of these songs that you did with Thirst. Or you didn't do with Thirst. You, you're, you're on the same record? Yeah, yeah. That, that was a split. So he has his music. You have your music. But you end up, you're on the, yeah, split. Okay. And how yeah, that, did that come about? I can't remember how we first got in touch together. He maybe he bought something from me or, or something like that. And it was right when I started my my new label, Tasty Soil. And uh, I was like, hey, man, uh, would you be interested in putting out a record on my label? And he's like, yeah, I'm down, but let's do it as a split. So, uh, you know, I did one side, he did the other. And then uh, I did the art for it and put it out. It, it was pretty exciting because, you know, I was a big Sonic Youth fan and, you know, it was it was fun to uh, put a record out for him. Yeah. And, you know, Thirst is really open to that stuff. And he loves uh, helping little things. It, it was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great cat. Enthusi enthusiast. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, after that album came out, I uh, went on a tour and uh, opened for him in... Uh, It was kind of where, near where I lived, um, by my parents' house, kind of like out in the woods out there. So uh, that was a weird scene. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So when you tour, did you, you know, I have uh, some experimental guys. Yeah, they can get everything in a suitcase. <laughs> yep, yep. The suitcase styles is the way to go. But um, I would bring a, I bring a card table. And uh, Velcro everything to it. <laughs> so Card table you, with the fold legs, right? Totally. So you can just like fold the legs down and then yeah. you're like ready to roll. Wow. <laughs> and what about uh, multimedia, like films or lights? Um, if, if there's the ability to project something, I, I kind of like put together like a, a video to project. Um, it looks like a you know, some really gnarly, like, close-ups of some guts. <laughs> but it's not. It's actually, like, some old moldy soup. It was, like, some borscht that I, I got from this uh, market by where I used to live. And uh, it had this weird film on the top of it that looked, like, like almost, like, fleshy and weird. So I just did, like, a really close-up zoom on it, and I... I used a straw and just blew like bubbles in it to make it look like it's like pustules, like, <laughs> and so, uh, that, that's my backdrop video. Yeah. 
pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was Frank Moore? Frank Don't Morgan? tell anybody it's not really guts, though. Okay. Yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't. <laughs> safe with me. Frank Morgan, I think. Wizard of Oz, right? Yep, totally. He's the man behind the fucking curtain. Right? <laughs> but yeah, it, but it, it looks it looks cool when it's projected super yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's interesting. Look, um, what about this uh, dripping dead? Uh, yeah, that, so that I played sax on. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of combined um, like uh, electronics with playing sax and um, tried to just make some kind of just scary horror movie type music. Well, let's listen. Yeah.
Watch for Pedro Shot Chuck Music. Started off Chris Pottinger, Dripping Dead. And then this magnetic moment from the bootstrappers. This is uh, Elliot Sharp, uh, friend of Thirst. And, 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 He's a percussionist, right? No, guitar man. Oh, guitarist, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and uh, in fact, the first bootstrappers was me and George Hurley with him in the late 80s. So this oh, is cool. the second version. Yeah, And then Viv Coringham and Albar Golis. Albar Golis out of uh, Chester, New York. Two Albert One. Really yeah. interesting music from that cat. Nice. And then, then Cot Museum, Swollen Claw. So when is it Cot Museum and when is it Chris Pottinger? I, I kind of tried to to differentiate like the cotton museum is like my card table, like, like electronic setup that, uh, everything's Velcroed to it and stuff. Um, and when I just go under my real name, it's, uh, maybe like modular synth stuff or saxophone with electronics. So, but there's no table, no table. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The table band is the Cot Museum band. Yeah, yeah. Table no, band. You, it's, it's interesting about that kind of stuff. Because, uh, right, you, when it puts you in another mode and to express yeah, yourself. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a little different zone, I guess. Right, right. And and what what do you do uh, as far as compose? Do you keep a, like a library of sounds? Uh, yeah, I, I have... Um, some loops that, that I, uh, that I like to, to jam over. So I've got like a library of loops and, um, then, so I'll have that portion going and then I'll just, I'll do free form synth stuff over it. And, uh, you know, I have a mixer on the table so I can mix in other sounds and, uh, you know, just kind of build off of that. What was the first synth that you got? Uh, it, it was called a surge. Um, it's, it's, um, kind of, I, I guess they call it like an East coast synthesizer because, uh, well, like, I don't know. Um, it, the first one I ever got, I guess was a Casio. I, I guess if, if you gotta like go back that far. Yeah. Um, the, the SK one where you could record your voice and kind of play it at like different speeds and things like that. Um, make your own samples. Yeah. Make your own samples on it. Um, but the, the first serious synth that I got was a uh, surge. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of ignorant. So you kind of, kind of help wad out here. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've learned from, uh, I remember here who was my, you know, I, that seventies rock, there was a lot of synths, but they used it like for fake horns or fake keyboard. Or, but when I, me and D Boom went saw, and Georgie was with us too, Perubu. Oh and yeah. Alan Ravenstein had a table. I don't know if it was a card table, <laughs> but it was a table, and he had these two boxes on it, and there was no keyboard. So and he the, was just making sounds. Yeah, history. yeah. But they, was, and then they're a rock and roll band, right? It, but it it was really happening. It was a trippiest um, marriage, <laughs> bringing together yeah. things. Yeah, it was really it's trippy. a great band. Yeah, that that first album, right, with that 
worker in the ballerina shoes and shit. I think it's called the modern dance. You, you ever check out Silver Apples? Yes. Yes. So they, they had fact, a crazy setup, like a huge table that this guy built himself. Right. Well, uh, Larry, the guy who did uh, drumming for the Stooges the last two years, so me and uh, him were in the rhythm section. Yeah. Simeon was a buddy of his, and he got to uh, uh, record with him and stuff. No really way! Interesting band. Yeah, he got uh, the bad car wreck, right? I don't. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Well, he he just passed away, but he got hurt. But that band goes back to the '60s. Right. Right. They they were definitely one of the the earlier kind of synth based groups that I remember checking out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of blew my mind. Big time. Look, we're at the end of the second hour. December 18, 2021, Dishwap, Peter, so special guest, Chris Pottinger. Hold tight for hour three. December 18, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> okay. Start off the third hour, people. Cotton Museum, Hatch and Extraction, and Moldoman, White Christmas, a week early, but thank you, Moldoman from Baltimore. Cotton Museum, Horrid Organ. And uh, we were discussing, because <laughs> I didn't have the fucking record button on, people, so it was just between ourselves, but we were uh, talking about soundtrack uh, and art that Chris does that sometimes informs the music or sometimes is the other way around, right? Yeah, it's just, I like how sometimes I'm drawing and it gets me, like, amped up and excited to record some music. Sometimes I'm jamming and recording some weird synth stuff and I'm like, oh, I I got a good idea for uh, a creature that would make these sounds or something. I'll draw some mutant and, uh, you know, that's that's usually the way it goes, just hanging out in my studio. You got one in your pad, right? Yeah, I just uh, I have like a art studio slash uh, recording zone. So I, I have all the stuff crammed in, in one room together. Yeah. But this way you can do it anytime you want, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like kind of my dream setup. Well, you know, a lot of people, it seems a lot of musicians are record themselves not so, so much a big diff, divide like in the old days well it's Morikano too right yeah yeah I, I mean it's it's uh it's fun you know it, it's nice to have it all in one place and you know you can swivel on your chair one way to do one thing swivel around the other way and you, you can do the other <laughs> the swiveler <laughs> the swiveler so so t tell me about these two tunes hard organ and hatchet extraction uh, yeah, those are both on uh, the album that I called Hatching Extraction, yeah. and uh, they're just, I don't know, kind of inspired by weird, like, undersea creatures, you know, deep down in the, the darkest depths, like, just stuff swimming around and weird, weird, uh, I don't know, things hatching out of weird eggs and doing weird things. I don't know. Well, it kind of biology versus uh sterile electronic you, you would think of you know people yeah, with, yeah operate I, machines you you have an analogy to like organic stuff yeah I, I i love hanging out in nature i i grew up in you know hanging out in the forest all the time so everything's kind of just inspired by like flipping logs over and and looking at what weird creatures were were hiding underneath the log and you know just hanging out and, you know, making your own fun. Right, right. Pill bugs, sow bugs. Exactly. Under the rocks, exactly. yeah, yeah. But I knew this kid. Well, I was a kid too. But uh, he'd fucking get toothpicks and, like, stab these guys, you know, for this fun. Sounds like a psycho. <laughs> I mean, this is many years ago, but I'm, I hope he's okay. <laughs> guy yeah i mean we we've all known somebody that is a weirdo like that you know <laughs> yeah, yeah it's my under a rock story look speaking of of moist membranes let's listen yeah.
Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Moist Membrane from Chris Pottinger. And then we had Benita Marcus lecture for Joe Kondo with the David August deconstruction version. And finally, Chris Pottinger, digestive gland. During this situation, were you composing a lot in the swivel chair? I've been doing more drawing, honestly, than than jamming, than composing. Um, but I do, yeah, I, I have like endless recordings that I've, I've done because working with the modular synth, it's it's like really hard to recreate a sound that you find later. Like, yeah. you know, if you really like a sound that you've got, chances are you'll never find that same exact sound in the future. So you've got to always be recording. So anytime I'm I'm jamming on the modular, I'll just leave my recorder just going. So I've got hours and hours of stuff that I need to kind of whittle down. Whoa. And what about collab? Do you use the internet to collab? No, not not really. Um I mean it it's fun to think about and and in reality, you know, I'd like to do that, but I, I just haven't I did a lot of it. I made several albums. Didn't I, didn't I meet the cats, right? <laughs> and it works out good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. interesting. It, you know, it takes you in places you didn't expect, right? Because, like I said, some of these cats I don't even know, right? It's just a music connect. But Sounds poli- fun. Politics and bass, you know. You look good yeah. making other people look good. So you, you want to help the tune, you know. It's an interesting, totally. yeah. It's an interesting thing. It's like... Uh, yeah, like a backup part first. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. So uh, I, I like the challenge of, of course, playing with people in the same room, but you know the situation and all that, and and also uh, just using the internet for some good things and not just spreading bullshit and lies. You know. <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's the best thing that I can think of using it for, honestly. You know, just making art and and exchanging. Yeah. Cool, cool jams. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some some cats. I don't know. And reading uh, Lewis's Porter book on John Coltrane and the way he listened to other people. You know, he learned from other musicians and stuff. It, it wasn't just you know genius in the cave kind of thing. Sure, and sure. I, I think a Minutemen. No way. Without the movement, would you, of course me and D. Boone want to play together, right? That's how we hung out. But right. being part of that movement, yeah, it's trippy, trippy those kind of things. So when you make connects that aren't so brutal, you know, that are are, are based on aesthetics and stuff, it's, it can be interesting. Sure. Yeah. So that's why I asked you if you were doing any of that. Uh, but uh, plans, future. Uh, I I've been. Uh... Working on um, making synthesizer modules with uh, a buddy of mine, Chip Flynn. He he does a project called Ape Technology. Um, so is there a place I've, on the I, internet that people can find out about that? Uh, yeah, check out my website, tastysoil.com. Okay, people, t a s t y s o i l dot com. Yeah, and I'm gonna work on putting a tape out soon. I'm gonna try to whittle down all these you know, thousands of hours of uh, synth jams that I have here and, and put a tape out soon. Okay. Uh, cause 
can't do records anymore because they're backed up for like a year. Yeah, right. The pressure plants. Yeah, so I guess when tape... you talk about modules, yeah, is it kind of like getting back to that idea you had for the pedals? Yeah, yeah. So you know, with a modular synth, you can kind of build your own uh, setup the way that you want. You know, you need a delay, you can get a delay module. You need uh, something to mess with the EQ of of your mix, you can get a, a module that'll do that. You know, so. Um, you need a, a drum machine. You can get a module for that. So really, it's it's like building an instrument. Right, right. And so you, what's his name? Chris Flynn. Uh, Chip Flynn. Chip Flynn. Yeah. Is he more the electronic guy? Yeah, he's he's like a electronic uh, builder virtuoso. He he's real smart with that stuff. And would you feed him ideas? Um, I, I did the panel layout, so I drew like some oh. weird creature and yeah. then, um, he did the electronics behind it. So, so the eyeballs on the creature will flash and, and, you know, with the rhythm and it's, uh, turned out really awesome. So we're going to do some more modules one of these days, make some instruments. Yeah, very interesting. And do, do you, he just makes, is he a musician also? Yeah, he he is too. Yeah, yeah, he does a project called Ape Technology. Okay, and if you guys collab, yeah, yeah, we we played a, a festival uh, out in Canada back, you know, pre-COVID. That was pretty fun, and uh, um, we haven't done any releases together. We also played a, a festival in Detroit too, that the Wolf Eyes guys put on. Wow, and. Uh... Does he have his own card table? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, he he's got a, a suitcase for sure. Yeah, he's a suitcase. For yeah, I love uh, it. He, he doesn't he doesn't jam a card table though. <laughs> yeah. Velcro. Yeah, yeah. It, you know if, if the table if the legs fall fall over, you yeah. know it's fine. Everything's Velcro. Right, Nothing. right, right. It's good thinking, man. Uh, very, very practical. Yeah, it's great. When you start touring again, you got to uh, come play a SoCal, huh? So I can come. I'd love to. I, I, I love going out to California. Yeah, I'd love to see you, you do this thing in, in person. But I can't, also, can't wait for the tape. So when you get yeah, done with that, please flow, Chris. Real big honor to have over. you on the show. Really, thank you so much. Yeah, hey, hey it was fun fun chatting. Okay, brother. People, it's been December 18th, 2021. This is what Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.